The following is a hoop ball presentation. Hoop ballers, welcome back to another edition, another episode of Today in Sports Betting. I am your host, Devin Ellington, or at D-A-L-E-007 on Twitter. Make sure to find the rest of the team, our free plays. Shout out to Mr. Doug Reed, at Mel's Dynasty on Twitter. He's going for a three-pick streak on our free play. So make sure to follow at Hootball Gaming to see what he lays out there today. We uh, are looking to make some free coin for you. Make sure to go to hoop-ball.com. Check out the premium stuff. We've got a brand new loyalty package. Packages, I should say, for all of our members, past, future. We're going to be ending it August 18th. We've got reduced rates before the price increase. I know, I know. It's We got to get the business talk out of the front, but... I'll leave it at that. Y'all go dig into it. Check the free content out there. There's more free content than there is premium. So there's that for you. Team-specific content if you need it, if you want it. Celtics, shout out our boy Patrick at Balling Opinions, Hootball Celtics. We have a huge show today, and I am excited. Going to jump pretty much right into it. And... um, I've been looking forward to this one for a while. It's a team that I was really looking forward to preview, and I'm so stoked and honored that I was able to get the Boise State beat writer of the Idaho Press and at Blue Turf Sports, BJ Reigns, to come on out of all of his busy hecticness and prepping for Mountain West season and the Boise State Broncos football this year. He was able to jump on. So, listeners and myself appreciate it, BJ. How are you doing, boss? I'm doing great. I just got back uh, late last night from Las Vegas, uh, Mountain West Media Days. So, got a chance to talk to players and coaches from all the 12 teams in the Mountain West. And uh, fall camp is, oh, about 10 days away. So, we're uh, we're already into the thick of getting ready for fall camp here. It's a fun time of year. So, happy to be on with you. Yes, absolutely, man. Well, I'm happy to get the fresh nitty gritty of Las Vegas uh, from you about these Boise State Broncos. Um, Obviously, we can start with talking about head coach Andy Avalos making his uh, first year debut as a head coach. I mean, this is a Boise State hire. I mean, he played linebacker at the school. He's familiar. He's crafted some pretty dang good uh, defenses once he left Boise. So overall buzz in Idaho about this guy, you know, good feel like everyone welcome him, uh, welcoming him with open arms. Yeah, definitely. I think he was the obvious hire that people wanted Uh, when Brian Harson left for Auburn. It was kind of the immediate thing was Andy Avalos needs to be the coach and it could have taken seven. It should have taken 17 minutes, but it took 17 days, but they ended up with him in the end end and I think people are really happy about it. I think it's, uh, you know, he, as you said, played linebacker at Boise State, was a longtime assistant coach, only left for two years, so still recruited about half the roster and is very familiar. And 
did get two years at Oregon, uh, getting some experience in the Pac-12. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, it's been great. He's been great with the media since he's been back. The players seem to love him. So um, it's the first time in a long time that Boise State's had a defensive head coach, though, when you go back from Brian Harson to Chris Peterson to Dan Hawkins and Dirk Cutter. I mean, they've had an offensive-minded head coach for a long time. So it's a little change, but um, he's – um, very energetic and, uh, you know, still a, a fairly young guy. And I think it's a, a good fit for Boise state and the fans seem pretty fired up about it. Dirt cutter. Wow. I always forget about that guy uh, coming from that. That's cool. Good, good call there, BJ. Uh, I really like what he did with this coaching staff around him too. Namely, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a dork, but I love special teams. So Stacy Collins uh, as the new special teams coordinator coming over from Utah State. They had some really, really phenomenal and consistent rankings there uh, with him at the helm of special teams. But this Tim uh, Plo uh, guy, offensive coordinator, had some burn at UC Davis from 17 to 19, and he was a wide receiver coach at Northern Arizona. So from what I understand, uh, Brian, the previous coach, actually recommended Tim – uh, to Avalos to consider hiring him from what I've found and what I've read. And I think this is a unique fit and I'm excited to see what he does with Bachmeyer. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. Um, you know, Tim Plow comes in and he was, he was a finalist for the offensive coordinator spot at Baylor a year ago. Mm. Um, and he ends up getting it now here at Boise state. And it sounds like the offense is going to be very, um, you know, Khalil Shakir was telling me yesterday in Las Vegas, it's just going to be like, um, nothing like they've seen in Boise in a long time. It's just going to be fast paced and it's going to be, uh, not as much substituting and it's going to be go, go, go. And Tim Plow told us he has a, a hashtag half a hundred and he, uh, he, you know, their goal is to get to 50 points every game. He said he doesn't even want to look at the scoreboard until they're at at least 50. So, um, you know, he's obviously got very high confidence. They were, I think, the number one passing team in the FCS or at least in the big in uh, their conference uh, for a couple of years and put up a lot of big time numbers at UC Davis uh, passing the ball. So I think I know that I think they led the conference a couple of times. So um, they got to, you know, he's it's worked at that level. But now it's time to see if it's, you know, it's kind of a spread, you know, kind of like an air raid, but not really. Um, but we'll, we'll, um, it'll be interesting to see. We, we didn't really get to see much of it in the spring game. They really dumbed it down, obviously opening with UCF. They didn't want to put a whole new offense on film. So, um, they, they didn't really get to show, didn't really show us much in the spring game. So I think we won't find out really what this thing looks like at full octane and full tempo until, uh, the opening Thursday night of the college football season on ESPN. Absolutely. And they open with UCF, like you said, and that's going to be a great game based off of UCF's defense alone from last year, you know which last year we can put asterisk next to it for every team if you want. But uh, Boise State, half, hashtag half, half hundred. Is that what it was? Half a hundred, I think. Half a hundred, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think they got a good shot at that week one. That'll be a phenomenal and entertaining start to the season. Um, I'm looking at this offensive line and everything else that y'all are returning. There are so many good pieces here. Four out of five on the offensive line um, return. They got a – senior at right tackle, uh, Halani in the backfield coming back. You talked about uh, Khalil Shakur. Um, and the rest of those wide receivers are littered with upperclassmen and experience. Also, you got two highly touted quarterbacks with Hank Bachmeyer and Jack Sears. We saw Jack Sears get a little bit of run last year. But don't forget, I mean, this defense is returning a lot of experience. Also, eight starters from what I'm seeing 
And, you know, with last year being so weird, there are so many guys that got some run. So it's really hard to count who is and who isn't a starter. But the fact of the matter is Boise State's got experience all over. Yeah, the the super senior thing worked out pretty well the, the, for Boise State. You know, the seniors last year that got the free year because of COVID to come back again, uh, particularly on defense. They got two defensive guys, Riley Wimpy, a all league linebacker, and Keikala Kaniho, a nickelback and 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 a defensive back. Um, you know, he he's both those guys are just your typical star college players that might not quite be good enough for a, a, a you know an NFL career, but to have both those guys back, two leaders, two high character high class guys uh and two playmakers uh back back on defense is just huge for them uh the defensive line's got a lot of returning uh you know talent they should be loaded really the only question mark on defense is at corner they mm. lost both they lost both their starting corners uh, avery williams was a fifth round pick by the falcons uh jalen walker was an all-league guy that just uh, decided not to use the, the free covid year and move on so um they brought in a couple transfers from bowling green and utah state and a juco guy and they're trying to you know remake the corner position but other than that on defense they feel really good about really good about the secondary both starting safeties back linebackers and I said you know as I mentioned defensive line is pretty solid you mentioned the offense uh four offensive linemen are back and two of them uh, John Ojuku at left tackle and Jake Stetz at right guard were just named to the preseason uh, All Mountain West team yesterday. Um, so two of the top five linemen in the league uh, voted uh, coming from Boise. And then yeah, you know, at tight end you lose a draft pick. Uh, you know, John Bates was drafted in, into the NFL, and um, but um, you, you feel pretty good about everybody that you have coming back. You mentioned Shakir; he's an NFL guy. CT Thomas is a solid guy that had you know averages about fifty catches a year, forty to fifty, and uh, he's a guy that also was a super senior and came back just a solid guy. So, um, yeah. And then you mentioned George Helani thousand yard, you know, rush for a thousand yards as a freshman got hurt last year and really struggled and only played in like three games. Um, but he's healthy again. And then to shore up the running back position, they also brought in uh, Avalos brought with him from Oregon, a transfer Cyrus Habibi Lakio. Uh, who had uh, 21 rushing touchdowns in three years at Oregon. And so uh, he's coming over to, to help uh, take some of the load off of uh, Halani. So, yeah, they feel really good about the offense. They just got to get – I would say the one question on offense is uh, the number three wide receiver. They got a lot of young guys, but not a lot of proven guys behind, um, you know, the top two, Shakir and Thomas. So they can find a number three receiver on offense. And if they can find, uh, you know, some solid production at corner on defense, I think this team has a chance to be really, really good. I second that. I second that. And, you know, we talk about that backfield and we didn't even talk about Andrew Van Buren, you know, that, another kid with tons of experience, you know, just for a locker room presence and having that maturation throughout your team, that's going to be huge. That's going to be absolutely uh, big for Boise State, who's looking to do some incredible things this year. Um, you know, I want to talk nothing but Boise State football with you, but I also want to talk about you a little bit, which is kind of hard to balance out because both are phenomenal subjects, <laughs> being a fan of your work. Uh, one of the things I find most interesting about you is the in your work is that you vote on the NCAA men's top 25 rank. Like you are a hoops voter. Like you, your voice matters. And uh, I just wanted to know, how you became aligned with that unique and very awesome opportunity. 
Well, you know, covering Boise State uh, for the Idaho Press newspaper, I, you know, go, uh, obviously the Associated Press poll, there's 65 voters, I think it is. And so basically um, they just pick, you know, one or two voters from every state kind of depends on how many Division One teams are in your area, but they want every part of the country to have a, a voice. And in Idaho, there's not a ton of uh, teams and coverage. And so I don't think it was a very long list that they picked me over. Um, but um, no, it's fun to be one of the voters. They asked me about six years ago and I've done it every year and it's a lot of work on Sundays you know Sunday evenings having to go check all the scores and and uh, games from that week and making sure you're not screwing up something where you had one team just beat the other team but you got them ranked higher and um, you know, it does take some work but um, it's not bad on like a Tuesday or Wednesday night when there's a, a random you know uh, Kentucky game on or something and I tell my wife oh I'm working I got to watch this game for the poll <laughs> so it, it's not it's not all bad you get to watch a lot of basketball but it can get a little a little hectic especially later in the season but no it's fun and, and I enjoy it even when uh, you get the Maryland fans or the Cincinnati fans or the Rhode Island fans always uh, you know they'll post your Twitter or email on a message board next thing you know you got 50 people ripping you for for leaving them off or putting them too low or something so uh, that, that stuff you know is kind of funny but overall I enjoy it and um, it, it is pretty pretty cool. That is a unique experience. And I'm, I'm happy that you were able to align yourself with that. It's, um, yeah, I, I, to be honest, man, you're the first hoops voter I've ever talked to. So <laughs> thank you. No problem. Uh, and then, not to mention, you know, you're a three-time NSMA Idaho sports writer of the year, you know, not to leave your accolades short sold or anything, but like I said, I'm a fan of your work and I hope the hoop ballers really uh, take to account, you know, who we got on the show today. Just, so, just, uh, just feed me some winners now and then, and we'll call it good. There we go. There we go. All <laughs> right. I can do that. I can do that. Um, I'm actually, I'm going to be taking Boise straight up and on the spread probably week one. I mean, we got a f- couple weeks to go with stuff and depth charts. What is it like three and a half or something? Or yeah. What's the yeah. So to me, it's just like, I see Boise state winning that game. So I may bypass the points and just take them as a dog. That's going to be interesting. I mean, you got, uh, you know, new coaches on both sides, Gus Malzahn at, at UCF, obviously. And I do think over time, Gus Malzahn is going to do a great job at UCF. I mean, I think yeah. he's going re- to recruit some high-level talent. They already brought in some pretty good transfers, including a couple from Auburn. Um, and I think he's going to have a chance to do really good there. But they did have some issues last year, and you wonder right away in week one if he's going to be able to correct a lot of those. Um, but they are at home. And that place will be rocking. And, um, you know, it's the opening kind of Thursday game to the season. So I don't know. I, I uh, that's going to be a very interesting one. But whoever wins that game is obviously going to have a, a leg up in the, you know, group of five race to start the season. Cincinnati's obviously very talented, but um, whoever can win that game is going to have the first, you know, be able to take the first claim to, to, to having the biggest win of the year. And so um, I think it's going to be a great game. I, I could see it going either way, but uh, I would certainly think that uh, Boise State has a chance. Yeah, Boise State 5-0 uh, and against the spread in their last five road openers. Uh, just throwing that little what, tidbit what, what, what was that again? 5-0 and against the spread in their last five road openers. Wow, how about that? And I know two years ago they played Florida State on the road. They did. That, that game was supposed to be in Jacksonville. It got moved like a day before because of the hurricane. Um, and then they went on the road. Hank Bachmeyer's first game as a true freshman came back in the second half to beat Florida State uh, in kind of the beginning of the end for Willie Taggart. So uh, that's a good, that's a good, good, good one to keep in mind. That's um, that's that's an interesting one. I, when 
when the, the spread first came out earlier in the summer, it was like six or seven. I don't know if you saw that, but it's, mm. it kept, it kept coming down. I think three and a half is probably about right. But uh, I, you know, you're, you're probably right with the, if you think they're going to win, you might as well just take them on the money line and have a better chance at uh, a payoff there. But uh, yeah, I, I, I'm just glad we're talking about spreads and football. And after how weird last year was, I just really hope this year can be more of a normal year for all of us. Yeah, absolutely. And a return to normality is something that, well, I say we deserve, but like, you know, everyone's perception of <laughs> deserving stuff is differently. But, you know, football is something that makes it to feel as though the balance in the world and the universe is the way it should be. And you, you're absolutely right. You know, this uh, is just going to be a phenomenal experience uh, journey through this year. Uh, since we're kind of talking about the early parts of their schedule here, uh, you know, me selfishly, I'm an Oklahoma state fan. I grew up in Oklahoma. I'm outside of Oklahoma city. Now, uh, I'm looking at September 18th and I've got a couple buddies that live in Boise BJ and, uh, well, I might be in your, uh, your stomping grounds for this game because I've never been to a college football game. And I think that this would be a spectacular first game for me to go to and experience, Albertson's field. That's what it's still called, right? Yeah. Albertson stadium. Yep. stadium I mean, yep. Yeah. I mean the, the blue turf is something special and for your first game. Yeah. You might just think all the fields are blue, I guess, after seeing that, but uh, <laughs> no, that, that would be pretty cool. And that is going to be a heck of a game. I was down there in Stillwater. Was it three years ago, four years ago when they, when Boise state played there, um, Boise state had two punts blocked that really changed the game. Um, they ended up losing, but they would have had a chance to win if they didn't have the two punts blocked. Cause one was taken back for a touchdown. I think one led to a touchdown. So, um, yeah, I think Boise state, you know, has some of the fifth year seniors on the team still from that game. So they mm. have a hand, they have a handful of players that still remember that feeling in that game. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's pretty rare to get a power five team or a big 12, you know, they will be the first uh, big 12 team, I believe to play, uh, in, uh, as a member of the Big 12, I guess, I believe, in like a regular season game, there's been some bowl games and stuff, but they haven't had too many Power 5 or Big 12 teams come to Boise. And so it's uh, definitely a game that is, you know, going to be a, a highly anticipated game, for, and it has been for a long time. And, yeah, tickets are on sale, so if you're making, you better make that decision quick and go get your tickets. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Decision is made. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I remember that game vividly. Uh, I was in Wisconsin on a work trip. Uh, watching it from the hotel room. Uh, I, you know, I was very nervous when we put that on the schedule and that, you know, us being the big 12 team going out to, you know, Boise could be either ballsy or very dumb, but you know, I was shocked to see that the spread was 10 in favor of Oklahoma state, you know, Oklahoma state was get, laying 10 points. And I was like, no way. I think it's come down and creeped a little bit since the summer release. And I think it continue will, it will continue that trend if I can figure out how to talk. Uh, I think it honestly settles at like a six and a half, seven number. Uh, but Boise State, again, like I, like you said, those fifth-year seniors, they got that taste in their mouth. And Boise State's looking to do some special stuff this year. And this would be a game that definitely helped them out, especially yeah. if they get that UCF win. Yep, and I think uh, I have to look it up the numbers, but I mean, the last like twenty years, Boise State's only lost like eight or nine home games. Right. I mean, they just they just don't lose at home, and it's not the biggest stadium, but it gets really loud with the way that the seats are kind of angled towards the field. And there's been you know stories and stuff written about just the the physics and the way that the stadium was designed, where the seats are angled in a certain way. And I don't know all the I don't know all the lingo, but basically it's just you know it's not like the you know Oklahoma State will play you know probably all of their conference games in front of more people and bigger 
bigger stadiums, but in terms of loudness and the way it's angled, you know, sometimes the smaller stadiums can actually be louder and have more energy and stuff. So I, that's kind of how Albertson Stadium is. And so it, uh, when that place is rocking, it's pretty cool. And it's a, it's a 7 p.m. game on a Saturday night. It's a perfect start time. So you're going to have the fans tailgating all day. And it's just a, it's an awesome game day atmosphere. It's one of those, you know, things where if it's a nice fall day, you want to come down at noon and just hang out all day. And so, um, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, je- I'm jealous. You'll get to have a couple cold ones and, and, uh, I'll, I'll be there obviously, but having to work. So it's not, <laughs> not as much, not as much fun as the tailgating scene outside, but, uh, yeah, well, that'll be, hope you can make it and we'll stay in touch and we'll definitely try to get together. Absolutely. BJ, that sounds great. I, you, you're painting a beautiful picture for me and I, it's, I'm trying not to see it all in blue and orange, but you're, <laughs> it's, it's not working. 36,387, the capacity for Albert stadium, just so yeah. everyone knows uh, 80, 80 good best for 85th largest stadium in the country. So yeah, it's not very that. big. Yeah. It's yeah. not very big, but I mean, they just, they just don't lose there. I mean, you can yeah. ask, uh, ask Washington, ask Washington state, um, Oregon, Oregon state. Uh, I mean, they've, they've, they've over the years had some, some big wins there at, at Albertson stadium and, and, uh, BYU. I mean, they've had some, some big wins there. And so, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, it's, that's, that's the game on the home schedule this year, nothing against New Mexico or Wyoming or some of the other UTEP, nothing against those schools, but, uh, the Oklahoma State one is the one that's going to sell out first and the one that's everyone's circling, and that's going to be just a, a hyped uh, hyped atmosphere. So that's going to be a lot of fun. That's Especially if, like you said, if they can pull off the UCF game and then you get to 2-0 and and you're in the top 25 and now all of a sudden you got a chance to really make a statement on you know on, to the rest of the country, um, that would just be a monster opportunity for them. But, uh, yeah, I think, it's, I think that's going to be a great game. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited for it. Um, transitioning from one Oklahoma school to the other, um, we don't have to, but it, it seems to be the game that everyone thinks about when I talk about memorable Boise State games. But uh, through all of your years of covering the Boise State football team, what was one dynamic moment in Broncos program history that will never, ever, ever be able to be forgotten by you? Uh, you know, if you That's want to good, talk about 07, you can. Well, but. well I mean, I, I wasn't quite covering the team yet in 07. So, I mean, I've heard a ton about it, obviously, and seen the game 50 times because when you walk into Walmart in Boise, they still show it on all the TVs. <laughs> um, but um, um, I started in 2013, so I'm going on year nine. Uh, so I was part of the 2014 Fiesta Bowl win against Arizona. Mm. Um, they've had some other ones. I mean, a couple years ago against Colorado State, they were down, uh, I think it was 35 to 10. And, and, and came back and won the game in, in double overtime, I believe it was. Um, there was a, there's been some some memorable BYU games that have come down to the blocked kick at the last you know, last second of the game and Taysom Hill, um, you know, trying to and do some things and Tanner Mangum, if you remember him, the Mangum yep. mir- Mangum miracle or whatever. The one week he beat, uh, I think it was Nebraska with like a hail mary, and then the very next week he came back and did it again to stun Boise State. Um, there's there's been a lot of them actually. It's been a um, you know, I didn't know much about Boise State when I when I took this job, but it, it's been fun to get to know the history of the program and, and how this program rose from a junior college. Um, you know, they weren't even Division One until 1996. So you're talking about FBS football for uh, I think this is the 25th anniversary of them only being Division One and already have you know three BCS uh, champion or you know bowl wins and um, a, you know number, a number of Power Five wins. So it's been pretty incredible just to see the rise of this program over the years for sure. 
Yeah, just the evolution of it. And it, it just has happened so quickly, you know, and, and all the more reason why they want to have a special year this year. 25th, you know, that's a nice round number. A lot of people celebrate that number. It's a good anniversary. I mean, uh, if I'm not mistaken, fact check me here, folks. But since Boise State joined the FBS ranks, they have the highest win percentage. Um, yeah, they just pa- I think they just passed Michigan. I think it was either Michigan or Ohio State uh, last year. I think they, they briefly went ahead in terms of percentage points. So uh, they're either right there at, you know, 1A or 1B or, or second or third. I mean, they're they're right there with a, a win or two away if they're not first. But I believe they are currently the winningest uh, college football program in history. Yeah, it, it seems like every week is a uh, week in, week out. They just there's a W next to uh, their name. So I, I am excited for this season for you guys. I'm excited for you to have some dynamic content to write about. Um, you know, there are just so many different story arcs that can happen with this Boise state team. And, you know, you've spilled the beans quite a bit here. And with some of that media day coverage that you grabbed uh, in our, you know, sharing it's it's awesome i love it uh is there you know because we talked about it already you know we're both busy guys and i wish i could keep you on here all day long to just sit here and break down every position group every game we could talk about every year from the last five years but you know time is time and you know that's how it is but if there's one thing that you grabbed from the media days yesterday bj what stuck out to you the most um, and you know, who'd it come from? And it doesn't even have to be a Boise state thing even. I mean, just overall taking in that media day experience. Yeah. I mean, I was uh, talking to Carson strong, the Nevada quarterback, yes. you know, some people think he's got a chance to be like the number one pick in the draft, or at least the first quarterback potentially picked in the draft. He's looking like he'll probably, you know, at, at worst be somewhere in the first round. Um, you know, he was talking just about how he's trying to avoid the hype and all that kind of stuff and try to just focus on football. He actually had knee surgery. He said after the season that he kind of kept quiet and uh he's been hasn't been able to do as much over the summer as he would have liked but he's supposed to be back and uh ready to go and then you know you got some other talented players I think the Mountain West has is slept on a little bit by people that always just you know gravitate towards the SEC or or whatever but um you know there's there's you know Josh Allen's proven it Derek Carr's proven it I mean there's there's you can come from the Mountain West and have a, a long successful NFL career um, and so it's been, uh, you know, just looking at some of the other talented players in the league, uh, you know, that were on hand at media days, whether it be a, you know, Valaday, the running back from Wyoming or, or mm-hmm. Ronnie, Ronnie Rivers, the running back at Fresno, I mean, thousand yard guys. I mean, there's, there's some talent in the mountain West and I think there's some parody. I think there's, um, you know, a lot of new coaches that, that stood out to me too, of, of the 12 coaches that I think eight of them were at their first media days, wow. um, because the, the media days last year were canceled. So you're talking about, you know, two thirds of the coaches being new in a two year span, um, um, so I, I think that um, the Mountain West is going to be competitive. Boise State and Nevada were picked to win the divisions, play in the championship game. Nevada has to play in Boise this year, um, and so that I think is a an up you know an advantage for Boise State to have that game at home in the regular season. Um, but I just think it's going to be a fun year. I think everyone's still talking about the name, image, and likeness stuff and COVID, and there's just a lot of stuff. You know, that was one that I took away was 
that they're Mountain West is really pushing the, the teams to get vaccinated because if you don't, you still have to test and the schools have to pay for it and you still have to wear your masks. And uh, if you are fully vaccinated, there's no testing and you're, you're pretty much, you know, guaranteed to be able to play in your game. So um, they're going to push the testing. And I just hope that enough players, you know, decide to do it and we don't have to have any cancel it. You know, Boise state had two games canceled last year. Uh, it wasn't fun to have to cover those and, and uh, do that. So um, hopefully we can get to a point this year where we can get all the games in and just have a great season. Amen to that, brother. Amen. I hope that everyone's safety and health is paramount in this and, you know, taken in full scope. I hope, excuse me, I hope that the uh, cooperation of universities and just every entity that goes into it can be smooth. I don't know the process, obviously, but yeah, tons of talent within this conference, and it's going to be a dynamic thing to keep our eyes on. Really, really looking forward to watching Romeo Daubs from Nevada, also dynamic wide receiver. Defensive back Jarek Reed from New Mexico is another guy that sticks out. I can go on and on and on about this Mountain West Conference. I, I love the group of, uh, group of five schools, uh, or yeah, the smaller groupings, and – Really love my mid-majors come college basketball. So this is right up my alley. And uh, BJ, I, I couldn't thank you more than a million times and it still be <laughs> enough for coming on today. You really made the show something special. No, great stuff. Appreciate it. And sorry, we couldn't make it longer, but uh, if uh, during the season ahead of one of these big games, maybe the, maybe the before the Oklahoma state game, I'd be happy to come on again. Absolutely. Anytime you've got, you've got a, uh, what's it called? Credentials. You've got a media pass here <laughs> anytime. So you don't need any kind of permission on that. So well, BJ real quick for you get out of here. Let me uh, have you spill the last bit of beans at the bottom of the can and just kind of talk about your work. Do a little bit of plugging here for the hoop ballers. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, the easiest way to follow my stuff is just easy enough, blueturfsports.com. You can just go to blueturfsports.com, and um, that's where all of our online content goes, video interviews, all that kind of stuff. Then my Twitter account is just at BJ Rains. It's just B-J-R-A-I-N-S, and uh, very simple, and, and I'll have all kinds of info on there throughout the season and who's injured and who's not playing and all that kind of stuff before the game. So, um, yeah, no, I appreciate it. Blueturfsports.com and, and social media is just at BJ Reigns on Twitter. It's probably the two easiest ways. Perfect boss. Well, I'm glad that we were able to get you on. I'm glad that we are going to be able to talk in the future. So who ballers, as you just heard, that was BJ Reigns, the Boise state beat writer, Keep him in your uh, thoughts as you go and you look for Boise State content. He should be your first option. So with that being said, we are going to make sure to break down some baseball. Hoop ballers. Let's talk about your balls. Yep, your balls in the area around them. Let's talk about manscaped.com. Go there and use promo code HOOPBALL20, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L-2-0. Use the promo code and go check out all the tools they have of trimming the hedges and taking care of your lawn. Like the Lawn Mower 3.0 with a built-in LED light to help you get into those dark thigh crevices on the inner parts. Also, the Gooch. 
It is hard to get to the gooch if you can't see it. So use the LED light with the anti-tugless technology on the Razor. Full, long battery life. Then check out the Weed Whacker. Bring that out of the shed. Use it on your shrubs. Cut down what you need down to bare minimum if you need to. It's got a nice anti-tugless technology just like the Lawnmower 3.0. It's also got a lithium battery. And best news of all, these things are waterproof. So that way you can do it in the shower and take care of business in the cleanest way possible. Hoopball20 is the promo code that's going to get you free shipping as well as 20% off. I recommend using it. I recommend getting the complete care kit with your free shipping and your 20% off. Spend a little extra, get a lot more. There's a good care kit there for us gentlemen. Face scrub, shampoo, ball treatment, and the area that surrounds our balls. I believe there's even a pair of underwear in there for our balls. So yeah, that's going to conclude the talk about our balls. Now let's talk about bets. MyBookie.ag is where all the hoop ballers take care of their winnings and where we place all of our wagers that we post in our article in the wager pass as well as our free plays and our Discord chats. Yes, MyBookie.ag. Use promo code HOOPBALL, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L. Let them know that we sent you. Hell, specifically type in my name. I want them to know. But most importantly, you got to let them know what podcast that is. And it is Today in Sports Betting. You let them know that we sent you. And then we, as a family, get to grow. And then we get to set you up to reap more benefits. And that is what's important to us because we are here to help you win money. And that is why we recommend my bookie. Their slogan is bet, win, get paid. And it's quite simply that easy. Use Bitcoin to get going. It's a high recommendation of VM Center at Vince Miracle, our guy. It's a recommendation of me. It's so easy. Dan Bespris, the podfather, Aaron Bruski, the godfather, they get in there, they get going with Bitcoin, they get their money in and out, and it's easy peasy. Hootball's the promo code. Use that. Let them know that we sent you mybookie.ag. Bet, win, get paid. Now, as a podcast, we have your balls and your bets covered. And without further ado, we have today in sports betting. All right, hoop ballers. That was BJ Reigns, the Boise State beat writer. A lot of B's. Make sure to find him on blueturfsports.com or at blueturfsports on Twitter. What a phenomenal, phenomenal guest to have on. First content, Boise State, you know, that I've done on the show with, you know, a Boise State writer. So thank you and huge shout out to BJ. Now it's time to transition over into baseball. I'm just going to fire this thing off. We got some stuff to look at. And there's a game at 120 Central featuring the Diamondbacks and the Cubs. And we're going to dig into this one a little bit. So... First things first, as we look into this Arizona and Chicago game, at first I was looking at some team totals. I don't like the lines or the numbers. 
four and a half for Arizona, but the juicing is weird. Under four and a half is getting the shade at minus 115. I actually think they have a successful day against Zach Davies, who has a blue bar in terms of his stat line on baseball savant. So it's bad. Exit velocity, 89.4 miles per hour. It's a blue number. Hard hit percentage, 41.9. It's it's a blue number. Expected WOBA, 369. It's a blue number. 286 for an expected batting average, blue number. Expected slugging, 446. It's blue. And K percentage and walk percentage, 14.5 and 12.2, respectfully. Uh Blue numbers. Straight blue bar. Yeah. So I might look at some Arizona bats. Eduardo Escobar, Christian Walker, David Peralta, Paven Smith. Their whiff percentages are among the team best. They're all under 25%. Well, 25.9 for Christian Walker, which is kind of like right in the middle. 29.4 whiff percentage for Nick Ahmed. Now we look at Zach Davies' whiff percentage as a pitcher. 21.1%. It's a blue number, blue bar. A lot of batters will whiff on his off-speed stuff down and for right-handed hitters down and in in the zone he throws his sinker 52 percent of the time and he gets it on the corners on the outside corners so a lot of whiffs on that i'm guessing 33 percent of the time on change-ups he throws his change-ups predominantly to right-handed hitters barely has a curveball or a cutter they're both under 10 percent and if we look at Zach Galen, Galen, however you pronounce his name, I always struggle with it. He has a red number for his whiff percentage as a pitcher, 27.6%, which is pretty good. 5.7 barrel percentage is what he allows hitters to do. And if you look at the Cubs lineup and who barrels stuff up, so they only have four hitters that have a 10-plus percentage of barrel percentage and Chris Bryant's one of them. Chris Bryant's going to be out. I think he is out already. I'm checking his designation. And then it goes Javi Baez at 13.4. Patrick Wisdom at 19. Robinson Sharonos, who like probably won't start and doesn't start that much. 22.2%. He really doesn't even qualify. So, Chris Bryant's probable. Weird. They took him out of last game. Rizzo hits 206 against righties. Chris Bryant, 243. Like, you know, this lineup's not doing a ton right now. Matt Duffy's going to be in probably for the first time in a while, and he's going to be like their best threat against a right-handed hitter at 291. Granted, he's been out, so his numbers are skewed. And the only reason I want to back Zach Davies a little bit is the fact that there are some Mendoza line and sub-Mendoza line hitters 
Got Nick Ahmed, Darlton Varsho, Josh Van Meter, all under 200. But then the guys that can do damage have a big opportunity to do damage today. Paven Smith, Christian Walker. Now, Christian Walker only hits 228 against righties, even though he's got a nice baseball savant overlay with Zach Davies. I'm also looking at the under because we look at Galen as a pitcher. He's He's got a 47.5 ground ball percentage. The wind's blowing out, but only seven miles per hour. And Zach Davies is a 46.1 ground ball percent or 46.1% ground ball pitcher. So, you know, there's a lot of weird numbers in this saying a lot of different things in my eyes. And I'm matching it with the numbers that we see at the books. Initially, I was on the Cubs minus 140 last night. It was something I locked in overnight. It's jumped a nickel, but I'm pulling that off my card because of how bad Zach Davies truly is. Um, If the Diamondbacks team total was like three and a half or four, then I would have taken it, but four and a half is just a little much. And then plus it was, it was minus one Oh five. So it was kind of, it felt like a trap. Um, The fact that the totals come down a full run, it opened at 11 speaks a lot of volumes. Um, Both of these offenses pretty much are struggling both are in and out with a lot of guys, a lot of guys not healthy. And I don't think it reaches double digits. And I thought that before the line movement. So I am looking to play the under full game. And if I look at first five, under five and a half in the first five, I will probably be on. There's a good chance that makes it into the wager pass. And look, the Diamondbacks are minus 115 on the money line, which is the same as the Cubs in the first five. But if you go to the pick, you know, the minus one and or minus 0.5, half a run, Arizona's minus 150, and the Cubs are plus 115. I think the Arizona starter could get deep into the game, deeper than Zach Davies. Zach Davies is not an efficient pitcher. Zach Galen's like all fastball. So he's just going to come out. Yeah, and look, Zach Galen is 64th percentile. All these are going to be red numbers. I'm pointing those out. Max exit velocity. Expected ERA, 67th percentile. Expected WOBA, 67th percentile. Expected batter average, 77th percentile. K percentage, 70th percentile. So I might look at a prop for his strikeouts. We'll get to that. Barrel percentage, 78% or 78th percentile. Expecting slu- Expected slugging. I never know if it's expected or expecting. 77th percentile. With percentage, 59th percentile. Fastball spin, 62 60 second. Now, curveball spin, since he doesn't really use a curveball, sure, it's at 46 percentile. I don't care about that. Chase rate, I mean, he throws everything like pretty much at you and in the zone and very fast. So, sure, 
hard hit percentage is down because all he does is throw fastballs. I get it. And walk percentage is down, but his K percentage is so high. So it's either he strikes you out or he walks you. So that would explain the chase rate. I mean, he's in the zone. And over his past 250 at-bats, he's – look, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to back Zach. I'm, I'm excited to back Zach tonight. We're back Zach. Sounds like a political campaign thing. Um, over six K's at plus one Oh six. Let's dig into this. This is going to be the only deep dive game. Really guys, we're going to rapid fire the rest. So thanks for your patience on this one. When you look at his splits on the road and on the home turf. So he's actually better on the road. 3.46 ERA versus 4.35. Same amount of games started games. Uh, six more innings pitched because he's gone deeper in games on the road. 111 batters face versus 94 at home. He's given up 20 hits at home and 10 runs. 19 hits, 11 runs on the road. Both uh, 10 runs earned. But again, keep in mind, he's got more innings, more batters faced on the away sector. 14 walks on the road. That does uh, worry me a little bit. And a lot less strikeouts on the road, even though he's faced a lot more hitters. So let's leave the strikeout prop away. Yeah. We will um, look to play maybe a no-run first inning, under three combined hits, runs, errors in the first inning. I've been playing a lot of those personally. Very, very fun to get money quick. I've also been enjoying doing the full game combined runs, hits, errors, totals. Having lots of fun with that. All right, so I'm locking in my uh, minus 110 odds on the under 10 to get my personal card rolling. Excuse me as I drink some water. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, first half under five and a half. We're going there. $205 would win 170 and 83 cents. Just so you know. Um, total hits, runs, errors. Wow. 30 and a half for the full game. I am going way under. So that will probably, that could make it into the wager pass guys. Um, this is, I'm just all like, I'm just looking at all of this right now. Um, I'm, I'm opening it. It's like Christmas a little bit. Cause all these lines kind of just released. So Arizona first in and let's look. Okay. So I'm going to do the under three in the first inning on hits, runs, errors combined. We'll do a little half unit on that. Do a half unit on that. All right. And then I said, ooh, no run first inning is at plus 125. Oh, no, I'm looking at that so wrong. I'm sorry. Plus 110. Still, it's even money. Minus 140 for a yes. Um, hmm. I'm thinking that. All right. So this is telling me that they think there's going to be a solo shot. And it, that they think it's coming from Arizona. 
I don't know. We'll leave that alone. But that will do it for that game. Yes, let's move on. Okay, we'll pick up the pace. We will pick up the pace. Picking up the pace. So the 605 games, we got two of them, Atlanta and Philly. I am going to leave this one alone. I definitely want to leave it alone because Max Freed, he's in and out. Health, kind of. Yeah, he's getting through some things. Zach Wheeler, known to be dominant. Um, I just don't trust Philly. And I got lucky yesterday betting on Atlanta. When it, I, I think we had f- uh, three plays in the Atlanta game. No, four. Four. We had Atlanta in the first five, Atlanta team total over, Philly team total over, and Atlanta first. Did I already say Atlanta first five? I think I did. I don't know. I, I won three out of four on Atlanta yesterday or something like that. So I'm going to take that as a blessing. I'm going to back off Atlanta because I always have issues with them. So Atlanta, Philly, that division – if in itself, and if you've listened to this show before, you've heard me talk about being bad at betting in that division. Uh, another team in that division, Washington and Baltimore. Um, Washington, I think, has a good chance to win. The, they're minus 135 on the money line, and I kind of want to grab that. Over nine and a half, it's risen up to 10. And it's so. At minus 120, it's getting shade. I mean, Vegas thinks this is going to pop. I think it will. The Orioles are a bit better against lefties. Now, Michael Franco's questionable. Uh, Keep that in mind. Santander's on the COVID list for the Orioles. But, you know, they got guys like Pedro Severino, Trey Mancini, 291 against lefties. Austin Hayes, 337. Cedric Mullins, 309. Ryan Mountcastle. Boy, I might be looking at some Arizona or Arizona. Still got them on the brain. Uh, or Orioles and Nationals plays in some DFS today. Alcides Escobar, nice veteran presence to lead off, hitting 313 against righties. And then you've got Trey Turner hitting 295, which is a, a downgrade from his 320 mark. Juan Soto, 333. I always say this Trey Turner, Juan Soto, these two guys could take care of a total all by themselves. So this is another game I'm looking to have a lot of decent plays on here, I feel. Minus 140 now for Washington in some spots. So it's rising a nickel at a time. Team totals. Yeah, man, I'm not getting good numbers on these today. So I will probably back off of the team totals. Over five and a half is even money if you want that. You know, Jorge Lopez is on the mound. Um I could see Washington doing it, but look, you've got to have conviction and value. It's 83 degrees, so it's not as hot as it could be in Baltimore uh, to help the ball pop a little more. But I just don't like the, I don't like what the numbers are narrating, is all. Now, if we look at the first five, Five and a half is the number there for that total. 
Washington on the pick is uh, minus 105. Baltimore plus 105 on the money line, but minus 125 on the pick. So I might just roll Baltimore in the first five at plus 105 because they they are – well, okay, hold on. I'm seeing different lines on the team totals. All right, a lot of things going. So let's uh, focus on one. Baltimore against lefties, and Patrick Corbin lately has just been – man, he is – I think it's easy to fade him. The only red bar he has across his stat is walk percentage, and that's 8.1. He's blue everywhere else. 8.2 barrel percentage, 7.6 solid percentage, only a 4.7 weak percentage. He's blue on the whiff. Jorge Lopez blew across it. So, I mean, he's just as bad, but he's had some decent starts lately. Um, Washington whiffs a lot less than Baltimore. Ryan Mountaincastle, Trey Mancini, Pedro Severino, DJ Stewart, they all whiff. A good amount. Cedric Mullins, 19.4%, though. I'm looking at Cedric Mullins for a couple of different things, I think. Austin Hayes barrels it up 10% of the time. Trey Mancini, 12.3. Ryan Mountcastle, 9.3. One Soto with a 12. Lot of Baltimore batters over 400 on expecting uh, slug, expected slugging. So that's encouraging. Hard hit percentage, though. Only a couple of guys over 40%. Ramon Urias, Trey Mancini, Ryan Mountcastle's at 39.2. Cedric Mullins is 39.2. The Nationals, their whole lineup is almost above 40. They've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys over 40. And then Josh Bell and Juan Soto hit 55.4 and 54.4. So. Over five and a half might be the look in the first half. It's minus 115. Um, So I may back off the Orioles just because Lopez is that bad. And the Orioles, look, they're, they're the Orioles. They're hitting, like there's a lot of blue spots too. They strike out a bit. Patrick Corbin can strike people out. But a lot of love on the Orioles tonight, and I get it. And look, it's at 10.5 already in some spots. It's already gone up to 10.5. I was just saying it's 10. Um, so, yeah. And right now, man, this is cra- I'll throw this out and we'll move on from this game. Plus 115 money line on the Action Network to get in a B rating, which is good for a green. And uh, the pro line, what they're saying it should be is minus 107. So it's telling. Baltimore against lefties at home. I want to see one last thing, though. Yeah. I was just checking to see history batters against the guy. One Soto's got three hits and seven at-bats against Jorge Lopez. Austin Hayes, two for three with a run. 
600 Woba. Not a lot of exposure. Pedro Severino hitting 30%, three three hits and 10 attempts. Trey Mancini's got three runs, two hits, five at-bats, one ribby, one strikeout. So, yeah. Be looking to uh, take the over, first five, over full game. We'll just double whammy that. Uh, Toronto and New York. The Mets, no opinion. I haven't dug into this one. I need to get ahead of schedule here. Yankees with Garrett Cole on the mound against E. Rodriguez, Eduardo Rodriguez, the lefty. Now, this is crazy. The Red Sox are still minus 120 against Garrett Cole. Yankees are even money, but they don't have anyone that can hit against, well, anyone right now, but specifically lefties. I mean, Odor is at 255 now, I guess, and they got LeMahieu back, 281. But they got guys like Lamare in the mound. They got this Greg Allen guy, uh, not on the mound, in the lineup. Greg Allen in the lineup. Uh, Gleyber Torres, he, he's all right. He hits 261 against lefties. But um, if I – let's just see what Red Sox hitters do against Garrett Cole, what they have done. Kike Hernandez, three for eight with a home run, a run, an RBI, 375 average, 562 Woba. Jaron Duran, he could be an X factor. He's a lefty. He hasn't had but two at-bats against Garrett Cole, but he's, you know, he's a rookie, so – but Alex Verdugo, three for nine, two runs, a home run, a double. So he's got some slugging on Garrett Cole. He's got an RBI. He's also got three strikeouts and a stolen base. So Verdugo could be key here. 461 Woba, 444 ISO against Garrett Cole. J.D. Martinez, five hits, 20 at-bats. He's got a double. He's got two home runs, five runs, three RBIs, five walks, 11 strikeouts, though, which, I mean, he's got the most volume against Garrett Cole and J.D. Martinez. He could get struck out a lot of times tonight, or he could be the hero, and he could be hitting a dinger or an extra base hit off of Cole. Christian Vazquez actually does really well. He's a 385 average hitter against Garrett Cole. He's got four strikeouts and uh, five hits in 13 at-bats. Um, so if he can get those strikeouts down, Kevin Ploiecki's only got three at bats. Xander Bogarts and Devers, all uh, they both struggle. Four for nineteen, so two eleven and one fifty four are their averages. Um, Ten strikeouts combined, fifteen strikeouts combined between Hunter Renfro, Rafael Devers, and Xander Bogarts. So they might be good for three to five strikeouts between their those three guys tonight. Um, maybe six strikeouts. I wouldn't put them in DFS lineups. If you want to get contrarian, Christian Vazquez, Alex Verdugo, Jaron Duran, Kike Hernandez, small little, you know, cheap four-man stack against Garrett Cole. Uh, so, hey, why not? We are going to talk about 
Well, Glaber Torres has good numbers against that. Man, the Yankees, the burr. Look, they're getting healthier. It's four and a half for their team total. Plus 110 is something that you can get it at. Hmm. Yankees first five, I might look at. They're minus 110 on the money line. I think that's an easy way to go. Um, I think that's it, it might be considered a little bit of a cop-out, sure, but um, Yankees team total over four and a half at plus 110. I've made a huge adjustment in my betting game and taken my team total plays to a half unit. So getting a half unit play on some even money. Look, Eduardo Rodriguez could give up four, five runs in the first inning. So I'm looking to play that for sure. Um, and that's, yeah, we'll leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah. Targo, target Eduardo Rodriguez. Um, don't be too, too scared of the Yankees against lefties. Look for an uptick for them here coming. I know they were bad before they got hurt, but I mean, we're going to see them be able to do a little bit better against lefties. San Diego, Miami, Joe Musgrove on the mound, Zach Thompson. I'll keep this short and sweet. No run first inning. I'm looking at that. No run first inning. San Diego, Miami. Um, let me see if I can just pull up those odds real quick. Uh, I wish there was just a no run first inning tab just for all the bets. That'd be cool. There it is. Um, total. All right. So I'll just kind of double it up. I'm going to go under three. It is minus 155 juice, but you know, look, we're, we're just kind of trying to get some quick money. Uh, under three hits, runs, errors in the first inning, minus 155. I'm going to take it. Score in the first inning, minus 115. I'm going to take that. And we will be able to hopefully get some easy schmeckles. Under 26.5 on the total hits plus runs plus errors. I'm going to leave that alone. It's San Diego. I mean, Zach Thompson's pitching for Miami, sure, but it's Slam Diego. They could score 20 runs. They've done it a lot. So keeping that short and sweet, we'll move on. Tampa Bay and Cleveland. Um, I don't really have anything for you guys on this one. I apologize. Uh, this Wade LeBlanc left-handed pitcher for the Cardinals going on the mound against Tyler Molly and the Cincinnati Reds in Cincinnati at Great America Ballpark. So we know we can back the Reds a little bit more here. We're seeing over five and a half for their total, their team total. I'm not looking to really uh, show that much love. Um, Real quick, I'm going to segue because I'm not going to talk too deeply about this game. Angels, Twins, just take the Angels minus 125. The run line's only plus 115. I think that's telling. Minus 125 for the Angels on the road. Alex Cobb on the mound. Twins don't hit righties that well. And Nelly Cruz was just traded, so that ball club could be a little, like, shell-shocked. Just kind of like, ah, bummed or whatever. But J.A. Happ's the main reason. It's fade Hap day. We're fading J.A. Happ. So what I'm going to do 
is I'm going to put two units on the Angels' money line. And I don't like backing the Angels very often, but J.A. Happ, he's going to serve it up. So Red's money line in the first five is minus 160. Or I'm sorry, that's the game. <laughs> sorry. In, is minus 180. There's a pick of minus 130. Gee, or, uh, you know, minus half a run. Over five in the first half. Getting, yeah, no, I don't like anything. And the team totals pricing was really just cruddy too. Fact of the matter is, Nick Castellanos is remaining out indefinitely from the Reds lineup. So that's a huge variable also. Staying away. Detroit and Kansas City. Give me Detroit plus 110. I locked it in last night. They got Willie Peralta, real dominant pitcher on the mound. Chris Bubich, he pitching for the Royals. He's a lefty. The Tigers have sneaky hitting against lefties, and the Tigers are one of the best teams in the majors right now. They've got so many hitters now over 300 for hit, hitting against lefties. Just a couple weeks ago, their hitters were at like 220, 230 against lefties. Now they got Miggy hitting 313, Robbie Grossman hitting 274. Shoop, there it is, hitting 330. This D Hill, I don't know his first name. Shame on me. May, I think it might be Derek, but it's like Hill. 333, half of the devil. Jimer Candelario, 301. Willie Castro's hitting 254, which is an upgrade from his 215 mark. Eric Haas, how are you doing? 338. Now they do got Akil Badu hitting 160, which he will probably be platooned out today against lefties. He's purely a right-handed hitter. So give me some Tigers today. Over four and a half on their team total. I'm into it. We went on a four-pack sweeper on the Tigers yesterday. Granted, that was against Fulte. It was fade Fulte day. It was a little easier. But look, Tigers' first five, money line, minus 115. Throw that one in there, too. I don't know which ones of these are going in the wager pass. But if I look at a prop bet, let me look at the Ks. Chris Bubich, under four and a half. I might look at that because I think he could get yanked early. Let me see about some strikeout stuff from these two pitchers. We've got a couple other games to talk about after this, and then we can move on and wrap this up. So if we look... At K percentages, I mean, the Tigers, they're sure that they, like they strike out a bit. Let me um, pull them up statistically in a couple different places. Yeah, see, but they've been doing what I'm saying is like they've been a better team, like they 9.67 strikeouts per game in 2021, which is the uh, fourth most in the majors really bad um, on the road. They strike out 10.58 times. Oof. Um, but over their last three, 5.67 um, is their strikeouts is what they've averaged. And if we look at 
what the Royals do as far as how many people they strike out, I don't think they do it at a high clip. So, yeah, they're 17th in the majors, only striking nine out a game, 8.33 over their last three. They do strike more out on the road. So, Bubich, let's, I mean, it's going to be a let's dig into him specifically kind of thing. So, let me do that a little here. See about some personal history. Miguel Cabrera hits. Oh, yeah, he's he's four for seven with a home run. No strikeouts. Willie Castro, five at-bats, two strikeouts. So, Robbie Grossman's not struck out against him. Candelario's got one and six at-bats. Eric Haas and Jonathan Scope, five at-bats each, one strikeout each. So, four and a half. Four and a half. That's, you know, if you can find you a five, just for the sake of the push, I wouldn't be mad at you. But under four and a half for Chris Bubich's strikeouts, minus 106, minus 105 most spots. I'm not terribly scared of Bubich. Um, but we won't extrapolate too many plays on the Tigers. Three is fine. We got some decent stuff to look at. Um, next game, next game, next game, Texas and Houston. Look, I mean, Oda Rizzi's on the mound, a large on the mound, but he's a lefty and he's not been great. I like the chances of Houston scoring a ton of runs. So over eight and a half is something that's way in play for me. And then I'm even going to look at Houston over on their team total. It's four and a half. Yes, please. First five, I'll probably leave alone because I don't trust Odorizzi. Full game, I trust the Astros. But I'm just going to play the totals, thinking that their offensive success will be the driving force for the totals and stay away from any risk on the sides because Odorizzi is pitching. He's up there with the Matt Moores and the Fulton the guys that we look to fade, you know, the Eric Fettys, um, the guys that Matt, the Matt Moore, I think I said already, but like the guys that just shouldn't be Dave, uh, Matt Harvey, didn't, you know, that kind of stuff. Chicago, the White Sox taking on Milwaukee. Lucas Giolito, Freddie Peralta on the mound. Seven and a half is the total. Um, This is going to be a no-run first inning look for me um, because these dominant pitchers are on the mound. So that's exciting to me. And then I'll leave that short and sweet. I'm not looking to play the first game of this Rockies-Dodgers um match up right now i might have something later on but it's the chase game oakland seattle i'm gonna say i don't need to touch right now either chad cole and johnny cueto i might take a look at yes a run in the first inning or you know 
maybe some other little tidbits under their uh, strikeout totals. We hit last time Chad Cole started on his under strikeout total. So before we part and before I wrap the MLB up, Chad Cole's at four. Under is getting minus 155 juice. Woo. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the Giants don't strike out a ton at all either. So, All right, y'all, that'll do it. I'm going to get this show out. Unbelievable show. First part, we had BJ Reigns on, the Boise State beat writer, Idaho Press, award-winning writer. And then second show, second part of the show, you got to listen to me babble and fumble through baseball. So um, pick which one you want to listen to. Pick which one you like better. Let me know on a direct message in Twitter or as a five, four, three, two, one star review um, on Apple Podcasts. So please, please, please leave those reviews over there because that's how we grow as well as the promo codes. Um So with that being said, don't forget the website. Don't forget the promo codes. Don't forget me and um, make sure you have a great, wonderful, safe day. I am sending all of my positive vibes, all my positive energies. And uh, if you can do something kind and nice for someone today. And uh, today in sports betting is out. This has been a hoop ball presentation.